Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. Amen. All right. Well, good morning. Am I good? Okay, there I am. All right. Good morning, Thrive. Come on now. It's a good day. So excited to be in church this morning. Um, it's just been so good these last few weeks, and I just believe God is going to continue what he's doing. Amen? Amen? Amen. Awesome. For those that do not know me, my name is Pastor Chris. I get to serve as the lead pastor here at Thrive, and so excited to have you with us. Also, we got our online campus joining us. Do, do me a favor. Give it up for our online campus. Everybody watching online this morning. We love you. Thank you so much for being online with us. Hey, before I get started, a couple things. Number one, I am so excited for Easter. It's going to be off the hook. It's going to be so cool. I don't know how many of you were here when we brought Derek Carr to Lathrop a few years ago. Anybody remember that? All the Raider fans are like, yeah, and then they left us. Come on. I know. Spirit of abandonment. I know. And some of you are like, what? We brought Derek Carter Lathrop? Yeah, we did that. That was crazy. That was a Jesus thing. Um, and so the same way we did that service is how we're going to do Easter. We're going to do it in the gymnasium. And I'm believing God's going to use our church to pack out that gymnasium so that way hundreds of people can hear the gospel. I'm really believing that. I really am. And so do me a favor. If you're online or in the room, you can pull out your phone real quick. Go ahead, pull out your phone. Pull out your phone real fast. Come on. It's okay to be on your phone in church this one time. Just this one time. Unless you are tweeting about me, just this one time. Okay? Hashtag Pastor Chris or at Crisco. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. And um, I want you to do me a favor. We have an ad running, a social media ad. We got an invite going on. Some of you already shared it. But if you can share it on Instagram and your Facebook, if you go to our Facebook page, you can go ahead and like us. Find that ad and go ahead and share it right now. Same thing online. A bunch of you are on Facebook or on YouTube. Go to your Facebook because check this out. One invite can change everything. There are so many people here, so many young leaders here that the first time they ever came to Thrive was on an Easter Sunday. And now they're leading in an incredible way here at Thrive or serving or a part of us. You don't know if your crazy neighbor just might show up. You don't know if your cousin that's wild just might show up. And so, listen, we got flyers in the lobby, posted on social media. Just invite some people because you never know what one invite can do. Does that sound good? That sound good? Awesome. Okay. Secondly, uh, we got a friend in the house who really was a son to this house, and we're so proud of him, and we're excited for what he's doing. Pastor Sean Farenbrook is in town from Colorado. Pastor Sean, stand up. That's Pastor Sean. You're good now. You're good. I'll stop embarrassing you. He looks good, huh? He looks more of a man than I am. Huh? He, he looks like he's 35. Shoot. Love you, Pastor Sean. So proud of you and Pastor Jen and everything that you guys are doing in Colorado. And Pastor Sean and Jen were interns here, and then they served as our youth pastors for about three, four years, right? And now they're serving full-time in Colorado, youth pastors, creative, a bunch of stuff. And, and God's just using them in that city to reach people. And so we love you. So excited to have you with us this morning. If you guys know Pastor Sean, you can say hi. If you don't know him, follow him on Instagram. Does that sound good? Okay. All right. Sounds good. All right. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet this morning as we jump in. I am excited. We're going to go ahead and read the word. And I believe that God wants to do something really special and significant this morning. I've been feeling it all week in my heart. 
we're going to go ahead and go to the book of Matthew, chapter 23. And we're going to just share a couple verses, very popular passage of scripture, very popular story. Um, But I believe it's significant for us. And I think God wants to speak to us this morning. It says this in Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 to 27. And when he got into the boat, this is Jesus. When Jesus got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea. So that way the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. And when they went and woke him saying, save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. The men marveled, saying, what sort of man is this, that even winds and the sea obey him? Come on, let's pray. Jesus, this morning, we give it to you. I pray, Holy Spirit, that I would decrease and you would increase. And I pray, God, as we tackle what we're going to tackle, I pray that your spirit would be on every word. I pray that our hearts would be open and our minds would be open to what you want to say to us this morning. I really feel whoever's watching online or in this room is here for a reason. And so, God, I pray that you would not let any distractions or hindrances or any demonic lies or anything begin to... um, detach us for what you're trying to do in our lives. And so God, we pray that you would do what you want to do. We love you. We thank you. And in Jesus name, the Thrive Family says, amen. 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 Go ahead and have a seat. Okay. So today we've been on our series called Inside Out. For the last eight weeks, it's been eight weeks, guys. I know it's a long series, but hasn't it been really good? It's one, just so you know, it's one of those, like I'm preaching to myself. You know what I'm talking about? Like some of you small group leaders, you know, when you're trying to teach your small group and you realize, oh, that's for me. That's not even for them. You know what I'm saying? Um, pre- teach myself. And the idea of letting God mature us, making sure we don't stay in immaturity. What are, what are the indicators that I'm actually maturing? What are the signs that I'm actually maturing? So today we're going to talk about the indicator or sign of trust. And why I believe today is so significant and special is because I believe the topic we are about to talk about today is uh, very sensitive in nature. And I believe it's sensitive in nature because it is one of those things that is so real for people, this idea of trust or a lack thereof. But, but, but I want to tell you that the only way you and I are ever going to mature in Jesus is we gotta trust him. We gotta trust him. Uh, for me, this, this word is actually really special. Um, every year, it's just something I do. You can steal it if you like. Um, every year, uh, my birthday's in January, so which is kind of cool. So my birthday is in the beginning of the year, January 9th, just if you need to write it down on your you know, phone. Um, I, I, growing up, I, I, it was always just right after Christmas, so they, they would just give me a Christmas present and a birthday present. Any January babies feel the pain? You know what I'm talking about? All right, cool. And, uh, but every year for the last few years, what I, what I do is I ask, I ask the Holy Spirit, I ask Jesus for a word for my life for the year. So I actually really started doing it in 2020. And the word in 2020, this was in January. I, already asked, I, I ask in January, and then let's see what happens. So in 2020, I said, God, what are you speaking to me? And the Lord told me in 2020, my word was depth. And then COVID happened. So that was kind of fun. He said, Chris, I want to go deep with you. I was like, sounds good, God. And then we all got shut down and we had to stay at home. 
Again, this is my word. This is for me. This isn't for everyone else. Um, last year, the word was intentionality. God told me, Chris, I want you to be intentional like never before with the things in your life. Come to find out, I ended up becoming lead pastor. That was kind of cool. And so this year, my word is trust. In the beginning of the year, God told me, Chris, I want you to trust like you never have. I want you to trust in me. I want you to trust in your family. I want you to trust in your church. I want you to trust in your friends. And I was like, oh, God. Because let's be honest, like we don't like this word. I don't like this word, especially if you're a control freak like me. Like we don't like the word trust because trust and surrender go hand in hand. Trust forces us to go past our ability and steps and allows us to step into the capacity of faith. But trust is the thing that you and I need for us to really serve and follow Jesus. That's why it's a little sensitive though, because a lot of us have trust issues. If we were to be honest with ourselves, if we were to sit in a room by ourselves for an hour, put a little bit of worship music on, whatever you wanna do, dim the lights and ask Jesus, Jesus, do I really trust you? You would be amazed at some of the things that God begins to reveal that we don't. And, the re and, and oftentimes the reason being is valid, but we have to get to the place in our maturity with Jesus that we trust him wholeheartedly. I do not believe that you can have a strong, mature relationship with Jesus without these, this love and this understanding of trust. I don't. I, I firmly don't. I'm just gonna make a statement and it's gonna sound kind of mean, but I promise I love you and I promise I'm here for you and I promise that what I believe this morning God's wanting to do is not just make you feel bad, but begin to do heart surgery inside of you so that way you could begin to understand why there might be distance with him or begin to understand the next step in your walk and your depth with Jesus, okay? I believe this. The whole point of the day, spiritually immature people lack trust in Jesus, others, and themselves. I believe that. And, and, and I'm not talking about like you got to trust the person that's like in the drive-thru. You know what I'm talking about? How many of you go to Jack in the Box and you know they always mess up? <laughs> like it's a thing here in Lathrop. Or this Chipotle, we need to intercede for this Chipotle. <laughs> Devil is a liar. They'll even have my sticker called Chris and then everything's wrong on the inside. So I'm not, I'm not talking about that. But, but how many of you know, like the person in your life, we all gotta find a person who loves Jesus more than you. You know what I'm talking about? You ever have that person who just loves Jesus more than you? One of the things that I, I believe, one of the, the most obvious signs is like, man, they just trust Jesus. Man, they just trust God with everything. They trust God in the good, the bad, and the ugly. They trust Jesus with everything. And then they have this like almost compassionate trust for others. And, and, and then for some reason, they trust themselves. And, and I believe insecure people lack this. They can't trust themselves. They don't trust anyone. And, and they definitely don't trust God. And, and I understand because what has happened is that life has given you permission to put trust in everything else except for the one who created you. The things that you have gone through, let me, let me explain this. The things that you have gone through in your life are absolutely valid. 
The things that you have gone through in your life are real. The pain of your past and the things that have happened are absolutely true. However, when you come into a new reality of the gospel, which you need to begin to understand that my past is no longer my future and that what I've been through is not the person who I need to be. And therefore, my trust is no longer in circumstance or no longer in situations, but my trust is in a man and his name is Jesus. And it is in from that place, come on somebody, that I can trust people again and I can trust myself again and no longer am I walking wounded because people who walk wounded walk funny. Come on. You know what I'm talking about? My son, my son Zadok yesterday, he got the game ball. He looked good, didn't he? If you, if you have to follow me on Instagram for that stuff. Um, he looked good. He got the game ball. Now, now keep in mind, they don't keep score, right? I was just talking to a parent about it yesterday. And it was actually our team versus another parent that goes to Thrive here, Thomas and his wife. And, and they crushed us. They killed us. Like, we were garbage, bro. Pray for us. And, but my son got the game ball, which was cool because he was catcher. He came out as catcher and he was like, look, dad, I'm Iron Man, right? You know what I'm saying? My, <laughs> so my son hits the last, the, the way it works in t-ball is the one who hits last gets the home run because they just run around the bases and they're just like, okay, come back inside. Everyone gets one hit. He hits it, gets the home run. He was so excited. He got the, ha- the game ball. As he hits the home run, he throws his bat and he, <laughs> my son, he throws his bat and his bat hits the coach's leg. I was with it though. I was proud of him. I was, <laughs> he got the home run. And so the coach starts limping on the field. And he's like, Zadok, you hit me with your bat. You're running laps, right? It was funny. How many know that when you're hurt, you walk different? How many know when you're hurt, you look at people different? How many know that when you're wounded, you don't look at the lens of how Jesus created you to look at people or look at things or look at situations? And what that does is when you live in a place of victimhood and woundedness, it doesn't allow you to trust Jesus the way you're called to. Why I'm so passionate about this conversation today is because I was a Christian for years, but didn't trust Jesus to the capacity that I was called to trust him. Brendan Manning, he's an incredible author, incredible author. And he says this in a book called Ruthless Trust. He talks about how God took him on a journey of trust. And Brendan Manning's brilliant. He's absolutely just a, a, a genius in breaking down the gospels. And, and a friend told him this one day. He said, Brennan, you know a thousand things about the gospel. You know more than anyone I've ever met, but maybe it's time instead of learning new things, you trust what you've learned. That's, that's a different quote. You don't have to put that quote up. You could go ahead and take that quote off. That's fine. Maybe it's time that you trust what God's already shown you. And can I tell you, that's the dilemma. Can I tell you, in my life, that's the dilemma. It, it's not that I need to learn more, although I'm teachable and I want God to show me things and I want God to reveal to me things. Absolutely. There's something so important about having a teachable heart. But can I tell you, for most of us, especially us who grew up in church, who have done the church thing, the issue is not that I need to learn more. The issue is, do I lean into the things that God has showed me? Do I actually trust truth or do I think it's convenient for me when I need it in my life? 
Do I trust the people that God has put me in my life? Or am I always looking for something they're gonna do wrong so that way I can blame them for my own insecurities and failures? Do I even trust myself? Do do I trust the God-given gift that God's given me and the thing that God's done in me and the work and the transformation? Or am I thinking that it's not real because I don't really trust in the work that God did on the cross and I don't trust in the work that God did in my life? That, my friends, is immature. It's a sign of immaturity when people lack trust. And it's a sign of maturity when we decide to trust Jesus. And so, so let me uh, give some language real quick because I think this is gonna help us. I wanna break down how we lose our trust. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna do that because I, I don't wanna just talk about how you need to trust Jesus. No, I think there's something important to understand how you and I lose our trust. And so number one, we lose our trust, particularly with individuals, right? That's kind of the idea, not necessarily with God, but most of us come from a place of a trust that is broken, let's be honest. We come from a place where our trust was lost We come from a place where someone did something to us and now we can no longer trust anymore. And so the first thing that's very obvious is that we we lose our trust when there's verbal lies. When individuals lie to you, when people lie to you, when your parents lie to you, when family lies to you, um, deception and lying is really the breeding ground of distrust, okay? This is also really good for some of you who are trying to figure out how I can gain trust with people. Don't do these things, you know what I'm saying? But for most of us, this is what we received. Verbalize. People have lied to us. People have decided to tell us something and it was fake. They omitted something to us. And, and what do we begin to do? We begin to lose trust in the individual. Number two is there's mental manipulation. Some of us have experienced this in the room where people have mentally manipulated you. They've abused your mind to now think something in a way you're not supposed to think. And then you grow up not trusting anyone or anything because your mind has been conditioned and trained and was manipulated, okay? Number three is probably the most obvious one in our culture, especially for millennials and Gen Zers, is relational abandonment. Your dad left you, your mom left you, you had a relationship that went wrong. Someone abandoned you in your life. The, 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 the idea that someone is supposed to love you because of blood and then they abandon you is so scarring, let's be honest. And I, and I know this because this is what happened with me. The people who were supposed to love me the most in my life didn't. And because of that a relational abandonment, I no longer trusted anyone or anything because I was abandoned. Because how are people gonna love me who don't aren't supposed to love me when the people who are supposed to love me didn't love me. Number four, which is kind of new in church culture and DNA, I I mean, in the sense that we're kind of talking about it and and in our our new postmodern Christian context is spiritual abuse. Some of us have had terrible pastors. Thank God for Eric Baca. And... Like, I'm, I'm like a, his son, right? And, and, he, and he was our pastor for years. I thank God that that man cared more about who we are and our relationship with Jesus than what we did for him. I believe he was a model. I'm so excited what God's gonna do with Pastor Eric. I believe he was a model of what young leaders need to become in this generation. I believe that wholeheartedly. But some of us are in this room today and 
you have had abuse from people who are your spiritual authority. No wonder you don't go to small group. No wonder you don't trust me when I talk on stage. I get it. No wonder you're always looking at what's wrong with the church, right? Because that's real. People, people come like to, to, to churches like restaurants. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. You're trying to leave a, a Yelp review and trying to get your meal for free. That's, that you come, I'm not talking about you going to church and it's a little weird. That's what I'm saying. I'm talking like you're coming in hot. You're coming in ready. Like the spirit of judgment is on your life because apparently you are the apostle James or John and it is, or Paul. And it is your job to call out the church of all their sin on your 27 followers on Facebook. Okay, I'm ranting now. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've just, and thank God it doesn't happen here, but I've just seen it. But I get it because most of the time, the people that come in with the spirit of judgment have been hurt the most. I get it. I totally get it. And then lastly, which is really tragic, is physical assault. When someone physically violates you, absolutely you lose trust. Okay, so here's the deal. All those things has, one of those things has happened to every single one of us. Whether you like it or not. Why? Because you're human and sometimes people are bad. It's just what it is. Here's the truth though. What we do is we will take those things that have happened to us and then we will begin to associate them with our relationship with God. And next thing you know, I can't trust God as father because my father left me. I can't trust God as friend because my friend lied to me. I can't trust God as my spiritual leader because my spiritual pastor, my spiritual elder or whatever cult I was a part of abused me when I was younger. I can't trust God that he would be there for me because someone violated me and assaulted me. And what we begin to do is correlate our horizontal relationships to our vertical relationship. But can I tell you that you'll never get freedom unless you're willing to let these things go and let God do what he wants to do in your life. Time and time again, I've seen it. I've seen it with friends, I've seen it with family, that because of the way their dad treated them or their mom treated them or their friend treated them or their pastor treated them or the person who hurt them, they cannot get there with Jesus. There's always something missing because what they're doing is they're comparing the injustice and sin of their life to the glory and goodness of God. And they are thinking that if that's what the person did to me, then God's gonna do the same thing. And I came to tell you that the devil's a liar. And you know why the devil's a liar? Because this is how Jesus earned our trust. So one of the beautiful things about the gospel is God doesn't expect you to trust him until he earned your trust. And so on the cross, spoken curses were going against Jesus. Jesus would walk up that mountain of Calvary. And as he was walking, people were shouting and cursing him. People were lying to him. People were saying things to him. Jesus, on how he earned our trust, number one, is on the cross. He took all the curses and all the lies and all the words. Number two, Jesus went through mental agony. The Bible says that in the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was there and he was mentally in agony to the point where he was bleeding drops of blood on his head. You wanna talk about earning our trust? Jesus got to the place far beyond any of us have ever gone through mentally 
and he did it for you and I. Number three, he was completely isolated. Other than John and his mother and a couple women, everyone abandoned him at that moment of the cross. There was no one who has experienced greater abandonment than Jesus. To the point where the father, he feels like he's no longer in connection with him when he's on that cross because he's carrying the sins of the world. No one has felt abandonment like Jesus. Number four, he experienced leadership betrayal. It was the church in that time that crucified him. Pharisees and Sadducees had a private meeting where no one was really welcomed to execute Jesus. It's like having that church meeting in the middle of the night to kick out the pastor. You know what I'm talking about? They decided it was the leadership. It, it wasn't just the people. That's what you got to understand. If there was anyone who should have had Jesus back, it's what Jesus said in the gospels, that if you would know who I am, you would know that there's life in me. You would know that you should be following me. It took 12 random people, mostly under the age of 30, to follow Jesus because all the leadership of the day, they didn't trust him. No one has gone through more spiritual abuse and leadership betrayal than Jesus. And lastly, his body was tortured. Jesus' body was ripped in pieces like paper. Why? So that way you and I can have a relationship with him. Here's the thing. Jesus went through all the things that people have done to you to lose your trust just so he can get your trust. So when I speak of a God who wants your trust, I'm not speaking of a Jesus who is wanting your trust because he just deserves it and he's entitled. No, it's because on the cross, he earned it. He loved you like how no one would love you. He died for you like how no one would die for you. He served you like how no one would serve you. He went through all the excuses, all the things. Like when we would go up to God and be, God, I want to call you his father, but God... I can't do it because someone abandoned me. God, I can't call you his father because God, my father left me. And then you know what he can say? He could say, son, I know what you feel. Because the God that we serve is not stoic, he's relational. Because the God that we serve didn't just decide to solve the problem in heaven as God, but he decided to come town as man. And in his humanity, he decided to die for us so that way you and I can trust him. And so Brendan Manning, in his book, Ruth is Trust, he says it like this, which I think is so good. And you can throw that quote up now. It says, trust is our gift back to God. And he finds it so enchanting that Jesus died for love of it. God loves us so much that he was willing to die so that way you and I can trust him. And I get it. I get why you don't trust people. I get it. I get why you don't trust God. I get it. I, I've been through some stuff. I know you've been through some stuff. But can I tell you that living a life where you can't trust Jesus to the capacity you're called to trust him, you will never get there where God wants you to get there. If we don't give our trust to God, we will always feel empty on the inside. 
And th- what we will do is then we will blindly trust things that will never fulfill the heart, the hole in our heart on the inside. When God comes in your life, he saves you, he rescues you, he frees you, and then he asks for you to give you your life back to him. He frees you of the chains. He opens the cage up. Everything is good. And he says, okay, Chris, now give it back to me. Why? Because my life is better in his hands than anyone else's. Because when it was in other people's hands, they hurt me. When it was in other people's hands, they abused me. When there was in other people's hands, they lied to me. When they were in other people's hands, they betrayed me. But in Jesus' hands... God went through all the hurt, betrayal, and pain on the cross, not because he deserved it, but because he earned our trust back. I think it breaks God's heart when his people don't trust him. Because he's already done everything he needs to do to show you he loves you. If you didn't get one more thing, if you didn't get the house, if you didn't get the job, if you didn't get the family, if you didn't get whatever, if you didn't get the spouse, the cross is enough. And if the cross is not enough, then Christianity is not enough. You are looking for a false gospel when you think that God needs to give you more than what he already has done for you. Now, God gives us more because he loves us, but not because he has to. And the currency he requires is not perfection, but trust. Therefore, Jesus therefore demands our trust no matter what surrounds us. He demands it, guys. He's not asking (laughs) And I, I know that sounds mean, but it's not. He demands our trust because he knows what he's done for you. He knows what he's done for me. Uh, Christian, can you help me out with that real quick? My friend Christian's gonna bring up something real fast. Come on, give it up for Christian, everyone. Yeah. Awesome. Good stuff, good stuff. Thank you, bro. Good. Thank you. He's single, just so you know. So, <laughs> And so, <laughs> oh, man. A couple, a couple, a couple uh, about a week ago, a week and a half ago, um, a, a, an amazing couple. They actually just got married in February. The Lopez's, they serve on our kids' team. They lead small groups. They're incredible. Um, their car caught on fire, like an electrical fire. Like it was really bad. And the car, that's a picture of the car. It was in front of the school. Thank God none of them were in it. It was parked. J- thank God, right? They have, they have two beautiful daughters. They're amazing. I love them. They're, they're so cool. And so the car caught on fire. And like, as I, was, I, I remember driving into to, to where, because we live close to each other. I was driving home and I was like, ooh, someone's house is on fire. It ended up being their car. And so thank God they were good. And so on Sunday, I think that was like on a Wednesday or a Tuesday, I forgot the day. And then on Sunday, they came to me and said, Pastor Chris, did you hear that our car caught on fire? And I was like, no. They're like, yeah. And like, they were, we were the ones where all the smoke was happening. I was like, that was your car? 
And I was like, are you okay? Or like the girls okay? They're like, yeah, everything's fine. And I was like, okay, thank you, Jesus. They said, but we have something to show you. And they showed me pictures of the car and the cars. Burn. Look at that's that's bad. That's not like a little fire. That's like, it's done. And they said, Pastor Chris, check it out. We had our Bible in the car. And for some reason, the whole car caught on fire, but our Bible didn't burn. And so... My hands are a little dirty, but here it is. This is their Bible. And they were sharing me the story that, yeah, as we were looking through the, the stuff, we noticed that this Bible, our Bible, it was, it was the husband's Bible, it was Steve's Bible. He said the Bible, it was intact. And then he showed me pictures and like, you can open it and stuff and, and, and check it out. Like, like, you can still read this. Isn't that, isn't that cool? And I was like, that's, that's some crazy stuff. You're, you're telling me that your whole car caught on fire, like everything caught on fire, the seats, the, the armrests, the, the every, look at that. Look at that. And this made it? And this made it? <laughs> I was like, that's kind of cool. I, I wasn't trying to get like super prophetic with it or anything. I was just like, that's kind of cool. And I, and I felt the Lord as they were telling me, right? They were, they were telling me last week the story and I knew I was gonna preach on trust this week. I felt the Lord ask me this. He said, he said, Chris, do you trust me enough that when everything's on fire around your life that I wouldn't let you burn? Genuinely. He asked me that question. I said, I said, Jesus, I think so. I hope so. He said, Chris, I, I demand your trust, but because when everything's around you, come on somebody, when everything looks like it's burning, when everything looks like it's on fire, when everything looks like it's not going right, when the kids are crazy and the job is crazy and life is crazy and the doctor report doesn't look good and your family's not where it's supposed to be, can you still believe that I'm gonna keep you intact? Can you still believe that you might come out smelling like smoke, but you're not gonna get burned? I need somebody in this house to get to the place with Jesus and worship right now because God's already brought you through some stuff and you might be in fire right now. There might be a storm all around you and Jesus is asleep because you don't need to worry. I just need you to trust me. I need us to get to the place, family, where it doesn't matter what's around us. Come on. Because guys, he's, go he's gonna make it work. He's gonna keep you safe. He's got you. And I know it doesn't make sense. And I know you were hurt. And I know you were broken. But my question to you today is this, is do you really trust Jesus? Do I really trust Jesus? Is there something in my life today that is not allowing me to trust him to the capacity I know he demands my trust? Am I still living in my past? Am I still mad at my dad that he left me? Am I still angry about the betrayal? Or God, can I lay it down at your feet? Why? Because if I'm in the boat with you and everything is storming, it's still better. 
If I'm in a burning car with you and everything around me is on fire, I know you got me. It's still better. My trust in you, come on, my trust in you is greater than anywhere else I could put my trust. Do me a favor, stand your feet. Come on, everybody. Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.